Welcome to the Apollo Leaguers series, a podcast that helps you learn from those who have become directly involved with exciting businesses in their early growth stage listed on the Apollo League. Handing you over to the host, Simon Ward. Good morning, Fernando Pacheco. Welcome to the Apollo League podcast series. Simon, good to be here. Good to see you again. <laughs> Greetings from Melbourne to, to a, a candidate in Sydney. It's a tough time for everyone out there during lockdown in Australia, but it's nice to um, celebrate a bit of a win. And, and we're talking to you today because you have just been appointed to the advisory board of one of um, our most favourite clients, which is Life Sherpa. So congratulations on the appointment, firstly. Thank you. No, it's really exciting. I mean, to be honest, um, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but um, I think, you know, really interesting company in a fantastic segment um, with a real purpose as well. So, Brilliant. And when we uh, first started talking and I, I started looking at your, your career in CV, it was an extraordinary one because you've been in financial services and banking but pretty much in every part of the world from uh, Europe, Latin America, Asia, Pac, and the Middle East even. So uh, can you tell us a bit about your journey? Because it's not often we sit here in Australia and talk to someone who's relocated back here from, from Europe. Who's the, so how did it all happen? Tell us a bit about your career. Yeah, so, um, I mean, really interesting you know, I think in the early days, my career was really a reflection of um, a lot of, you know, how I grew up. And, um, you know, I was born born in Portugal, then moved with family a few times before eventually kind of, um, you know, coming to Australia. And I think that um, I sort of already laid the seeds for what became a really interesting, you know, cultures in other countries um, in exploring things. And, you know, I had a real thirst for knowledge um, and uh, I, I suppose I sought um, more complex things. Like as I as I started my career in, in banking, financial services, um, there was a lot evolving in the industry at that time. Um, you know, I was fortunate that I sort of got into a space uh, in the financial markets area that uh, was involved with financial derivatives at that time. Um, which, you know, already has quite a lot of complexity. And so this constant hunger to learn kind of drove a lot of my, um, my early travels in the industry, you know, looking for ever more complex areas of the business. Um, and then, of course, once you start to do that, you start to become, you know, like any uh, young person in, uh, in financial services, start to be attracted by some of the major financial hubs uh, across the globe. Uh, so places like London, et cetera, which um, eventually I ended up going to. But I, I think, um, you know, that's um, that aspect of basically going broad across a variety of different products, um, I think was always something that interests me. Um, you know, I've, I've got a couple of components that I strive for, and one is this sort of aspect of constant evolution, um, constantly learning, constantly evolving, um, you know, and, and I think if you're not doing that, you're stagnating, at least in my personal perspective. And so for me, it was, you know, really important uh, and not to be afraid of putting yourself into uncomfortable positions where, you know, you don't, didn't necessarily know either the role, the function, the market, or 
you know, the products that you're dealing with. Um, and so I learned to deal with a lot of that ambiguity in the beginning and, uh, and that continued to kind of, you know, really fuel the sort of the eventual steps that I kept taking in my career as well. So. And that's, thanks for that. And I guess uh, one question I had is that the, the large investment banks that you've worked with, JP Morgan, Standard Chartered, BNP, and more commercial bank, the innovation agenda within these larger organisations, uh, was it there? Did, did, that, did you have an experience working with cutting-edge tech companies uh, within those large corporates or were they too busy, I guess, um, operating there under their current business models? Yeah, so it's a great question. I think um, I think you know a lot of the a lot of the firms have evolved quite substantially in, in terms of the mindset around you know how they need to be um, operating in the in the markets. I mean, most most of the our markets have become you know very fast paced. There's a huge amount of innovation, um, and certainly financial services is no different. Um, and I think, you know, many of the larger organizations have also realized that, you know, the historical mindset where you had to do everything yourself, right? And a lot of that IP set internally uh, was no longer the model that would take you forwards. And so the concept of, for example, um, partnering and bringing younger companies that have got set expertise in specific areas and being able to kind of foster these sort of collaborative environments um, I think was kind of what really triggered it, right? So moving, making this shift from seeing that type of environment as a competitive environment to a more of a collaborative environment. Um, I think, you know, certainly large organizations, um, you know, what they have is they've got scale. Whether the scale is distribution um, scale to be able to reach many more um, end clients, or whether it's scale in terms of an investment perspective and being able to invest in technology and the like. Um, you know, I think that's the real plus, right? And, you know, younger companies bring a slightly different um, aspect to, to the table. It's, um, it's around that nimbleness, um, being able to shift very rapidly to market trends, being able to, you know, try and, and create proof of concepts and then um, you know, effectively shut those down, move on to something else if they haven't worked as well. And so I, I think, you know, the, the two have slightly converged a lot more. I think clearly the challenges with, you know, in a large organization is um, you've built up a lot of historical processes, um, you know, this, uh, this tech stack that obviously has developed over many, many years that um, sometimes doesn't necessarily allow you to move as quickly as possible. But you can still, you can still innovate, um, I think, to your question, Simon. In fact, you know, I would say that uh, where I first learned to develop my entrepreneurial skills was actually within large organizations. Um, and I remember the first time that I built, um, you know, one of the first ventures um, was actually in, um, a very well-known Australian investment bank that was operating across some very interesting markets. And, you know, I got an opportunity there to develop a business plan, develop an idea that I saw out in the markets, take that through to fruition. Um, and that for me was really interesting, right? It sort of proves that you can be entrepreneurial, you can develop new businesses even within large mature organizations. So I think to your question, innovation, innovation can absolutely happen um, and it does happen. Um, and I think, you know, it's kind of about taking a little bit of best of both worlds of both, you know, what happens in smaller com companies and, uh, and larger ones. 
And just following on slightly out of order from our uh, sort of agenda on this, but that it's a, you raise a really interesting question, which is if you're working in a large organisation and they have a, an innovation agenda, one of the things that can happen is there's a pipeline of opportunities that sort of fed down to you or that, that is part of the, um, you know, I guess part of your uh, your agenda when you when you when you come to work, but you know, Apollo League's business model is to try and create an environment where executives can look, even if even outside of their organisation, for opportunities. Do you think that's important? Yeah, it is, and I think that um, that gives you different perspectives. I'm, I've always found in my personal journey that you know, and I've spent time both on the fintech side as an example and then um, and then within large banking organizations and kind of being able to do both um, and at different points in your career, seeing things from different perspectives is absolutely valuable. And that could be exactly to your point, Simon, even, you know, having outside opportunities that you're, um, that you're using for your own personal development or professional development for that matter. I think gives you different perspectives on how you operate, on how you think about business, how you think about challenges and moving around those as well, as opposed to kind of just having, you know, one, um, one opportunity and one uh, aspect that, um, you know, you're constantly just um, working on as well. So I think that those, you know, fostering those different perspectives is really, really valuable uh, in a business context, especially I think in today's world where you've got to, Got to be really open-minded and um, be constantly connecting dots uh, as well. And what do you think of the Australian scene, um, given your experience working all over the world? You know, what are, what's the status of the kind of development ecosystem out here for scale-up companies? You know, what are the what are the differences that you see here compared with other parts of the world? So I think this is a market that, um, first of all, has always been very digitally literate, right? I think that's that's the basis. And that's, I mean, it sounds like a really basic thing to say, but, you know, there are markets where that isn't necessarily the case. Um, and, and so I think that's a, a great starting point. I think we're early adopters of technology. I think we've got some great examples of um, technology companies as well that, um, you know, that have fostered, um, you know, some really interesting things. Um, I think the regulatory environment has continued to evolve. I mean, if I compare the Australian market versus others, I think in many areas, um, you know, we're certainly seeing it, you know, the front of the pack and whether that goes with, um, you know, consumer data rights initiative that is fostering open banking, um, whether it's the development of, you know, real-time payments through the new payments platform, you know, we certainly are at the, at the front end of a lot of those developments that I think are going to be the, the core building blocks for how the industry moves going forward for many years to come. Um, I think where there's a little bit of a challenge is in probably two areas. I think historically, you know, the challenge has always been if you're a young company and, you know, you've got a great product or service, um, finding capital has always been a, a key challenge. I think in a market like Australia, it's really easy to get led by you know, bigger markets, bigger ecosystems where, you know, you know those funding pools are much larger. Um, so if we think about, you know, where the VC communities actually sit, right, and, and linking that back into Silicon Valley and other hubs like that. So I think that's one challenge. And I think the other one is for as much as we're, um, you know, digitally literate, I think, you know, early adopters of technology, I think there is still 
certainly challenges sometimes to scale new ideas in the market. Um, and that probably become, you know, I think is off the back of certainly if you look at financial services, you know, we've got some very established um, organizations that dominate the market that consumers, you know, become very comfortable with over many, uh, many, many years. Um, and sometimes that kind of stops a broader consumer adoption, uh, adoption of, you know, new, new businesses, new organizations, new products and services. There's a bit of a trust factor, I think. That comes into this as well. Um, but it is, you know, it is evolving, right? I think if I look at, for example, the, the tech and, and especially the fintech space, um, you know, over the last number of years, I think, you know, Stray is absolutely going in the right direction. It's, it's developed a very healthy ecosystem. And you only have to look at some of the recent deals that have been done. Um, to basically to prove that you know there's some fantastic businesses here that are certainly getting global attention now. If you look at Afterpay, Atlassian, absolutely these sorts of these sorts of names. There's lots of lots of noise and a lot of success going on there recently. Let's talk a little bit about um, the company that you chose uh, to get involved with, which is Life Sherpa. Why did you Why did you pick that one, Fernando? What was it about that business that uh, attracted you? So Life Sherpa came um, actually came up at a really interesting inflection point. I think in where I was in my career and what I was looking to get um, from a you know sort of a personal development perspective, uh, it sort of hit three key things. I think the first one is that um, you know first of all, there um, you know I think they've got a strong focus around financial literacy. Um, into a segment and a demographic that typically either doesn't appreciate, um, I think the some, you know some of the financial solutions that are needed as you you know as you sort of grow and develop in life, um, and, and getting access to those often isn't you know priority I would say. Um, so typically in the financial planning space. You know, I think the upper segment of the markets, the wealthier segments and, and probably the, you know, the older demographic. Um, I think, you know, it's reasonably common, um, to get access to some of these services, less so in sort of the younger demographic where you're starting out in life and you're going through, you know, some really important life stages. And so for me, the, you know, the, the real connector was, um, around financial literacy. It's something that I've been very passionate for a long time. Um, and, you know, I don't believe that actually today there's enough that happens in that space, even with, the, you know, our, our kids, right, as they're going through the school system. Um, you know, are they, are they learning enough about financial literacy and, um, and some of the basic skills that, you know, we need to equip that young generation as they go into working life, into, you know, buying their first house and, and then marrying and, and having kids, et cetera. So I think there's a really important mission um, that Life Sherpa is playing, um, which I think is quite exciting. And, you know, I think that sort of wealth management space is one that uh, is continuously evolving as well and growing. Um, and I think increasingly play an important role in people's lives as well. I think it's, uh, you know, for me, that was the key drivers. And then on, I think on top of that, I think this intersection of where I was at in my own career where, I was looking to leverage um, a lot of my sort of broad experience over the last 20 or so years and get involved in younger businesses from either an advisory or a board capacity. 
Um, and you know, and that I think for me was um, was quite an important aspect. And then the second piece is, you know, I was also looking to invest in, in private and, and younger companies as well, and start to have you know a little bit of a skin in the game, um, as you say, in some of these organisations as well. So I think you know all three things sort of came together at exactly the right time for me. That's an excellent answer, and, and you raise some, some further sort of follow on questions there, which is I often say to people that that classify themselves as investors, would you invest in a, in a private company if you didn't have a board seat or an advisory board seat or you're inside the tent? Um, you know, I'm amazed at, at people's willingness to do that. But, you know, your view, what, what's your view on that question? Yeah, look, I think it depends on personal circumstances. Um, in my case, you know, I was certainly already, ex- you know, interested in exploring both angles. Um, and happy to sort of disconnect both, you know, in terms of the investment plus then the involvement from an advisory perspective. Um, and I think the facts, and I think what's, you know, really interesting about, you know, both, um, the opportunity that Apollo facilitated and the opportunity with Life Sherpa is, I mean, if you can combine both, um, fantastic, right? Even better from my perspective. Um, and that's what I saw as a really interesting, kind of opportunities to be able to both invest in the business, you know, really feel part that you're going to contribute to the fish success of this business, have skin in the game and, and, you know, feel like a business owner um, uh, through that investment components. Um, whilst at the same time, obviously, you know, leveraging that, that background and experience to set and, and kind of taking and helping the company through that growing journey as well um, in that advisory capacity. So I think both can, Absolutely operates separately, but I think, um, you know, if you can bring the, those two components together, I think it certainly makes it even more powerful in terms of how you can contribute. Fantastic. And what was the process like um, for you being a, an Apollo lead candidate from, you know, from first contact through to completion? Yeah, so I would say the real value to me was um, one, Apollo's ability to kind of connect the dots. And I, I think about this in a way that, you know, if I think about my own personal history and a lot of that journey that I've gone through, it sometimes can be quite hard to package that up um, and, you know, really get to what's the essence of who I am, what I can deliver, how I think about business, et cetera. And I think the first thing that I find uh, really interesting is, you know, Apollo's role in packaging that, so to speak, and being able to kind of relay that that messaging to, you know, potential organizations that are looking for um, for people, uh, I think is a really powerful component that is really hard to do on paper, right? I mean, it's one thing to have a profile up and to have obviously your CV, et cetera. But, uh, you know, I think that only always captures one half of the story. And so I think, you know, Apollo kind of facilitating that process of being able to understand that story, those drivers. And I think I've always been um, certainly uh, always very interested in, you know, the soft skills, the personal characteristics, the motivations of people. I think that's all, sometimes even more important than technical skills. So being able to relate that. And then I think then connecting the dots, right? I think being able to connect, um, you know, where you're at in my stage, as you said, you could easily, split apart investment and the advisory 
um, components, being able to kind of connect all of those things into organizations that are also in themselves at very interesting points in their life cycle, looking for um, people like that to come into the business, I think is, you know, the other interesting thing. Um, and then I think, you know, making that process really easy and really transparent as well. I mean, you know, it's not, um, it's not a, an area. I think if you look at private investments, um, and even advisory or board roles for, for people that haven't yet taken that first step into this area, it's, it's an area that often is, you know, really hard to understand, right? How do I actually take that first step? I may have a lot of experience, but how can I package that up in, and kind of deliver that into an organization like Life Sherpa. And I think, you know, to be honest, I think, the, you know, Apollo sort of facilitates a lot of that, that process and made it really easy um, from my perspective, uh, all the way through the process and sort of providing guidance as well. That's a, that's a fantastic uh, answer to, to hear. Thanks for saying that. That's certainly <laughs> what we're trying to do. Well, look, um, I think that's all we have today for you, Fernando, and what I'd love to, to try and do um, as we do with candidates to participate in this sort of first conversation is to check back in with you over the next sort of 12 months to, to see how the experience is going. And we hope that um, that it's a fantastic experience. I think you've picked a great business in, in Life Sherpa. It's already scaling and it's it's extremely well led. Um, so we wish you and, and the Life Sherpa team the best of luck with this collaboration. I think it's going to be a great one. And thanks for spending some time with us this morning. Great. Thanks, Simon. And, and thanks again for making it happen. And, uh, yeah, really excited and uh, on the journey that uh, we're going to take. And uh, we'd definitely love to come back in and uh, let you know how it's all going. Thank you for listening to another episode of Polo Leaguers. Be sure to tune in for our next Liga interview. And until then, keep on learning.